0: Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hello, everyone. Tara Williams here with the mom manual. Um, You can probably hear my voice. I am a little bit under the weather today, but I am super excited. I had to still do this podcast. We have the Instagram famous Kirsten Rich of The Blonde Abroad. She is an award-winning solo female travel blog featuring travel tips, packing guides, videos, and photography from around the world. What a dream. And now she has an almost seven-month-old son, so she's doing travel with baby in tow. Kirsten, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Tara. Excited to be here. I am so excited you are here. Traveling is my love language. It is where I spend my money. I believe in creating memories with the family. So for anyone who doesn't know you, um, because you are very big on Instagram, tell <laughs> us how you got started in this with the solo travel and then obviously including now baby, kind of bring us through your whole journey. Sure. So I always dub myself an OG travel blogger because I
1: started in 2011 so before Instagram before social media really and it started as a bit of an online travel journal documenting my travels as a backpacker and budget traveler and you know over the course of a decade it's grown and evolved with me as I've you know gone through all these different chapters in my life and a big portion of my travels are solo even now with a baby because you know i've always kind of had this drive in me to see the world and not everyone is available to join you on that journey so uh, i started the blog and it's evolved like i said but a big portion of it is to inspire women specifically to travel the world, even if no one will come with you. Um, and I give lots of inspiration, tips, guides on how to do that. Um, so yeah, I think 75 countries later and oh now that's where, that's where we've landed in uh 2023, but it's, uh, again, another chapter and it's exciting to have like a highly concentrated female audience because I feel like a lot of my, followers have grown with me over the years. And I'm actually, I've always leaned on them for travel tips and now I'm doing so with motherhood and it's just
0: this incredible resource. So yeah, that's where, that's where we're at now. (laughs) Okay. So how did you do the first solo trip? I imagine that was pretty intimidating. It was actually on accident. I deferred my
1: gap year and I did it. Um, I worked in finance, quit my job. And then I ended up uh booking like a one-way ticket to Australia. Okay. Uh, and my in Australia said, you know, you can't not go to Southeast Asia. And uh ended up basically booking another one-way ticket to Thailand. Wasn't going to do it unless someone came with me. Um, ended up going and I just had like the time of my life. And and I think the thing with solo travel is that we think of it as this really intimidating thing that, oh, like Travel experiences are so much better when they're shared or I can't eat alone. It's so awkward. Um, What happens? Is it safe? You know, we have so much self doubt with these things. But really, like, what always happens is you end up chatting with people, you end up having these amazing conversations you would never open yourself up to if you were with a travel partner because you're always talking with your travel partners so I've met so many amazing people this way if you're dining alone you almost always get better local tips because you end up talking to the local who's the server or the bartender or something like that and you get to see a totally different side to a destination I feel like also your senses are heightened and you just you just take everything in in a totally different way I think the only tip I really have is just do it. (laughs) That's really the only advice I could really give someone if you've ever dreamed of going somewhere. And the only thing holding you back is like fear or the fact that someone else won't go with you. Just do it. I would say most of the time you may, you may even have a much better experience on your own because you do exactly what you want when you want and how you want to do it. You don't have to ask that person, well, what do you want to do? And there's always compromise, even if it's fun and like a great experience. Um, it's a very empowering experience to do exactly what you want when you want to
0: do it. I, I, that's, I guess, where I'm at with solo travel. i still a huge advocate for it. I love that. And I imagine it to be incredibly, pr- probably life-changing, right? Oh, like yeah, each sure. the first time and then each subsequent trip. My first step, I'd like to go to the movies by myself. That is where I am. Yeah, I- but I mean, do it. <laughs> No, I, I love this. Okay, but talk to us about the safety element. You are a female and you guys cannot see her right now, but she is blonde and she is beautiful. So, I mean, what did you feel scared ever? Did you ever have a weird encounter?
1: I would say, I think this is probably the number one question I get is just safety, things like that. And I, with anywhere you're traveling, even if you're in your own community, you know, there are certain things that we do as women. Like unfortunately, the world is less safe for women and that's something that is ingrained in us to always have this like caution, looking over our shoulders, you know, even at home that you know, don't run alone, don't run at, at night. You know, we we're kind of instilled with this fear, like we're always in danger and then when we think about going outside of our of what we know, like it becomes more dangerous. I think from my personal experiences um I t- again mentioned I my senses tend to be even more heightened when I'm by myself so I'm extremely aware of my surroundings yeah. and I'm now now that I'm experienced I've traveled to destinations that I maybe wouldn't have early on in my solo travel days but there's a lot of well-paved tourism paths around the world you know very traveled cities and you know I think you're the chance of you having a situation you're more likely to have You know, a purse grabbed or something like that in a major city like Paris than you are to be like assaulted because you're by yourself. Right. I think most of the time people don't spot you as a tourist. And if that's something that you can do to sort of like, don't look like a tourist, don't just wander around aimlessly like you're lost. You know, there's just simple things you can do. And I think that fear is very real. And then when you're in the situation and you actually take the trip and you get to where you're going, you're like, I can't believe I worried so much about it. It doesn't feel any different than it would going to the grocery store at home. I'm just in a different city. I think for a first timer, you know, if you want to alleviate some of those worries, some of the big ones are, you know, travel somewhere where you can speak the language, travel somewhere where you can look at sort of safety measures, things that are, you know, within your control, and then, you know, have a plan. And always, I think now too, with technology, I mean, when I first started traveling, I don't think I even had a cell phone. Now, you know, you can share your location with your family, you can do check-ins. I would always let my hotel or even like way back when in my hostels, I would kind of do check-ins and just say, Hey, okay, here's, I'm going here. If I'm not back, like, can you, here's like emergency contacts. Like you can do your due diligence. And there's a lot of apps. Like this is something you would say to the hostel front desk worker. Yeah. 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 Oh, I would say, you know, or I would 90% of the time when I was a little bit younger, I would go with somebody I would meet in a hostel. I think hostels are great because you tend to meet other travelers. And if someone is with a traveler or another friend, you know, that you get invited most of the time. And if you are traveling on your own own and staying in your own accommodation, you know, you can stay somewhere in a central location where it's easy to come and go and you can always check in with the front desk or concierge or things like that. I think the big one is just not to travel in weird hours, like don't go out at 3 a.m. by yourself but I wouldn't do that at home, you know? So it's, right. it really is
0: just kind of following your instincts and don't go and do things that you wouldn't do at home. I actually lived in Barcelona for six months when I was in college. So this is, I'm telling you, like it, it, this resonates with me so much. At the time in college, I did drink alcohol. I don't anymore, but you know, I went out and had fun and whatever. And when I got to Barcelona, like my head was on a swivel. When I tell you like heightened senses, I was just so aware of my surroundings. I felt very—I think I went into it feeling unsafe or nervous. And this was right around the time where there was that study abroad student in Italy. Yeah, I think of her name right now. Um, but she was. I know what that, you're talking about though, yeah. That trial, and so it, it just—I was like, oh and my her god. Taken had come out as well. The movie. Yes. <laughs> it was yes. like the thing to make everyone
1: scared of traveling. In right. our- Like our generation.
0: Yeah. And so I I think all of that was resonating in my mind and I did not speak the language. It was Catalan and then Spanish second. So I had very little that I could speak. And so I just, I always felt kind of nervous, but not nervous in a way. It was like nervous to make the right decisions. Like I went to school in Boston and you know, we would get super drunk and people would be like helping each other walk home. Like I would never do that there. I also went with, we did an exchange program. So there were seven students from my college, seven students from the university of Barcelona and we switched. And so we stayed in the college dorms, but the seven people I went with, none of them were my friends. Like I I obviously knew them because we were at the same school, but we had no relationship. So when I went, it wasn't like, Oh, I know these people and they'll look out for me. Like they'll generally look out for me, but I think that's a big thing. So it's like, Don't get drunk. Like don't stay up for days traveling or walking where you're out of it. Obviously, don't take any kind of (laughs) drugs or anything. Right? (laughs) Right. And this sounds funny, but I think as long as you are just coherent and you do like, I had such heightened senses. So much stuff happened while I was there. Like we were on the beach one day, and somebody they would do these called like beach poles, and so the locals would just run and they'd grab your bag and they just run away with it. Barcelona
1: and- is like one of those cities. I had my phone stolen in there too. And I think yeah. this is the thing. It's, again, it plays into safety versus crime, right? Like right. I don't think you're unsafe in Barcelona. Do I think if you are unsafe with your bag or not careful, you could get taken? Absolutely. more yeah. Like one of the top deaths, but you should know that going into it. Like, right. okay, this, I think too, when we get, kind of in our bubble of like what's safe and what's not, you know, like we don't think twice about leaving our handbag in the grocery cart, but in, in a lot of major cities, even in the U S like you shouldn't do that. Right. And especially like at that age where you're doing a study abroad program, I think it's exciting and fun. And I'm totally, I did the exact same thing in Spain. And I mean, yeah, we got really, really drunk and we were out till six in the morning with the locals, you know, partying, partying, parting. Um, and yeah, did I, could I have been a bit more careful? Probably. I, I didn't do it my first night there or anything like that. So I don't want to say like,
0: you see, you're, you're this- bolder than me. Cause I didn't do it for six months after I knew everybody. And I would go out until six in the morning, but I was never the, my parents were like, you're so grown up. And I was like, no, I'm just nervous. And right. I am not a nervous person. Like, if you know me, you're like, that's, she's not, she's a risk taker. And I claimed to fame when I came home, uh, there were seven of us and all six people got stuff stolen and I was the only one. <laughs> so I'm like, see you guys. That is a very impressive title. I will give you that. Yeah. But I think
1: yeah. that's that's it really boils down to yes, don't, you know. Don't do anything that is going to inhibit you from taking care of yourself or making good decisions. And I think if you know yourself, you know what that means. And then it's perfectly normal to feel unsure and don't push those boundaries because sometimes your gut is right. And yeah, I mean, know, know where you're traveling and what, what is common there, or what maybe you need to be on the lookout for, because a lot of major European cities where I never get asked about safety are the ones where like the petty theft is happening. But then, you know, I lived in South Africa for four years. And the number one thing I get asked is, oh, but did you feel safe? Like, is it scary? And I'm like, we fear what we don't know, but that information to some degree is available online now. So I think really it just kind of comes down to do what you can to educate yourself. And, you know, you're not the first person to travel there. So there's probably information that you can find online and yeah.
0: yeah. So you've been traveling for 10 years. How different does stuff look now? Do your travels look uh, baby in toe? I'm assuming, or some single travel um, than it did when you first started? I think a lot of women who had babies during
1: the pandemic can probably relate to like feeling like everything just got turned upside down. And in some ways, the slower life kind of prepared me for baby. But at the same time, I think I've like, that postpartum, that fourth trimester coming, going into that after the pandemic and being pregnant during the pandemic and not really traveling that much. It just really turned my world upside down, just massive identity crisis and all of that. So yeah, it was, it was really challenging in the beginning. And as much as I could prepare myself for, you know, things aren't going to be the same and it's okay. Like I've had a great time. I'm 34 now, you know, I'm ready to take this next step you know there's just so much that you can't prepare for and so i think just those like sleepless nights that that this helpless thing is like my entire world and responsibility like how will i ever go back to to any form of travel it seems so far from where you're at like that first month right and it gets a little easier and it gets a little bit easier and then it seems a little bit more possible and so we took our first trip at four months, Yeah, we was still waking to feed things like that. And, but it was huge. It was a huge, you know, step for, for me. I just, you know, you have to just do it. Like I can do this. And it was a work trip. And most of my travels are work trips now that this is like my career. But yeah. I think for myself, I felt this like huge pressure as this mm-hmm. travel writer, travel brand that, you know, I now need to be the travel baby expert. And I, this should be easy for me because, travel is second nature to me, but I am like, I'm at the bottom of like experience with the baby. And yeah, I think the traveling and enjoying it with the baby was the thing for me where I thought I would be that person who was like, Oh, we can just pack up and go. But I was just, it really rocked my world. And I didn't feel the excitement or confidence to like get back on the road until at like four months was like the earliest I felt ready. And, you know, even now we've taken it really slow. We did New York for the holidays, which was amazing. That was actually such a nice trip. And now we're going back to South Africa where we were based, me and my husband were based before the pandemic. We were living in South Africa for a few years. Um, So we're going back now to meet all of, he's going to meet all his family down there. Um, And that's, you know, that's a big trip. That's like a 30 hour travel day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really nervous, but I'm confident in my RER roles now where he's more predictable for me. I know how to do things. Like there's always a solution to something. It was a bit more unnerving when I didn't know why he was crying or, you know, the, those weeks where everything is all so new, you know, and you're still waking in the night. So you're still sleep deprived. So now, I feel like once he started sleeping through the night, like everything changed for me. I was like, I'm okay. We can do
0: this. Six months.
1: Yeah. He started, he was actually a really good sleeper. I think he started sleeping through the night at around five months. And honestly, like dreamland is a huge reason why that was even Uh,
0: possible. I love that. You are, you are a dreamland super fan. I know that for sure. I literally swear,
1: swear by it, but um, yeah, I mean, we brought it to Denver And it was the only thing I was like, we can't forget the weighted sleep sack or oh my gosh, what else to do? It's the only thing I have confidence in. And everyone
0: listening, I did not pay her to say that. No, she didn't. I know. I'm not even plugging it. That's like a genuine And that that's actually how we met because I would see you on all your travels and you always had the weighted sleep sack with you. And then people on my team were like, did we give this to her? Like what? And it, it, I was like, no, she must have bought it. And yeah. then we reached out and we we're like, girl, we have got to. <laughs>
1: yeah. So um, I love that. We, yeah, I think in the beginning, I just was like reaching for anything that would help. And yeah, that's genuinely, I think I got an Instagram ad and I was like, I'm going to try it. And it worked. And I was just like, from, we started using it really early on and then it was just like, we never left home without it. So yeah. What what what's
0: your other baby go-to <laughs> travel items?
1: I mean, I feel like it's probably similar for a lot of people, but white noise machine. I mean, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't leave the house without that. And now as we're kind of like finding our routines and he's a little bit older, I feel like there's just like little things that really work and again, like I haven't really traveled like that. This will be our first international trip with him and our first I
0: think I think the trip. fact that you got on a plane like yeah that's you're what I was like. like you're like we haven't really traveled because we haven't gone to Africa yet yeah any other mom they're like I went on a 45 minute flight like right. that's a, that's I drove to my mom's house for the weekend to our sure. that's travel right it's so yeah. so for the average person you've done yeah. quite a bit of traveling
1: yeah we did and I think the transcontinental one was a big one right we went to New York and you're you know, we're in Southern California. Winter here is not winter, you know? Um, so we're going into winter and it's the holidays. There's a lot of people, public transportation is different. You know, we're not just going to have a car and a car seat, like everything was different. So I'd say logistically that trip, there was a bit of planning, but what I loved about going to New York with a little baby is like, you can walk everywhere. So, I mean, I wore him up and down and all around. And I loved that because to this day, you know, he still naps really well when I wear him in a carrier. And now there's like all these amazing baby wearing clothing companies. So yeah, I've
0: I've never tried any of those. I've seen like for men too, where you put them in a pouch. It's like a kangaroo.
1: My husband had like the dad shirt and that was amazing. That was like, honestly, one of the, cause I had a C-section and it was really hard in the beginning, like to just get up and around and, you know, trying to like get a newborn in a baby carrier was like, I don't even know. We're not there yet, but this dad shirt, like we had it in the hospital, and that was one of the coolest things that we had for the first couple months. And then um for yeah, for winter travel, it was more like the coats. So I think um it's pronounced seraphine. They make like big parkas and coats. And I'm like, geez, if I lived in like a cold weather state, this would just be my go-to. And they even have just zip up hoodies. So if you and it has a spot to put the baby in, it's like a panel, so you can wear it pregnant not pregnant or with a baby and there's just like a little panel and he would just and it would go like completely up and it's really cute like it looks like any other winter coat I would buy for myself not with a baby and I just love that you can take the panel out and wear it not pregnant not with baby yeah so it's versatile so yeah I think really it's it's just been all of it is like an experiment because there's so many elements to travel with weather and changing that very like consistent sleep environment for a baby. I think that was really scary. So it's like, Oh my gosh, like, how do we control the temperature and humidity levels? (laughs) You know, I'm like, did I become this like crazy person? I'm so obsessed with all these little details, but it's, you know, you, you get to a point where the kid's sleeping. And now I know I'm like, you don't mess with the sleep scheduled.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And well, you know, it's, it's, um, I have four kids, right? So I love my first time mamas that come on here because if we talk in five years and you have three kids, (laughs) I mean, my fourth, I don't think he ever took a nap in a crib because I'm driving people around and picking him up. So it'll be fine. It'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. No, it it all, this, this was really the epitome of just me being crazy and disregarding, you know, you'll love this travel story. So My first three children are extremely close in age. So when my third was born, my oldest was two and a half. My second was 17 months. And then I had a newborn and I just felt so great after his birth. My mom came out. I'm from Boston and I live in, in California and she came out to visit and she was here for two weeks and she was like, listen, you're feeling good. Like, let's go do something. And I'm like, okay, awesome. We went on a road trip when he was two weeks old, me and my mom, we went to Palm Springs, we went to Yosemite, we went to Newport beach. Like we were gone for, I think over a week and just road tripping all around Southern California. And we had the best time. And it was like, he just slept. I mean, he was two weeks old. He slept the whole time. And then right. seven, 17 month and two and a half year old. And it was just like, okay, whatever. Like, we're just going to I was like, I'm not sleeping at home anyways. Like, let's, let's, exactly. go. <laughs> let's so,
1: do something. So that, that's um, no that's so pressure, cool
0: Kirsten. No, but, but I
1: totally see that. I was like the last of my friend group to have kids, a kid. Yeah. And it's true. You know, I even now I'm like, oh my gosh, how I, like, I know now what to do. And obviously every kid is different. And that's not to say that you couldn't have a second and it would be harder than the first. But yeah. I think it's just that it's such uncharted territory and no one, everyone can tell you what it's going to be like, but until you've done it, you're like, okay. And then, you know, now in hindsight, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much I would have done differently or so many things I would have been easier on myself with. And, you know, things I wouldn't have been so crazy of over, but you, you know, you can't tell yourself that before you've had it before you've done it. I think for me personally, I think about if we were to, you know, have another kid like that, the I would enjoy the newborn stage more. I think I was just so overwhelmed and like paranoid and scared that,
0: you know, I was doing everything wrong where I'm like, okay, I would just have a lot more grace with myself. I will say the second baby is a lot easier. You go into it and you, you know what to do, you know what to expect. And I mean, the interesting thing with me is I had my first three really close. And then there's a three-year gap between my third and my fourth. And with my fourth, he did not sleep. Thus, I created the baby. Created <laughs> my baby. But it was like at that point, everyone's like, "He's your fourth, it's like easy peasy." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no! He's my first baby, who at six months was still waking up every hour and a half. Like I never experienced this before. Yeah. So I was like, "I, I don't know what to do. I'm like losing my mind." So as much as it's like next baby is easy, they're all a little bit different, right? Okay, switching gears. I and I'm sure you have this somewhere on your blog, but for anyone who hasn't read it. I want to know some of like the high highs and low lows. So what was your best trip and why? It's like picking a favorite child. I always
1: say that (laughs) it's so hard to, to break it down. But I will say if I were to just, if I don't think too hard about it, it's always, I always come back to South Africa because I was at this, I was 29 and I had traveled all over, but I hadn't spent that much time in like continental Africa. I hadn't really traveled it that extensively because it's far. It's a little bit more difficult to travel, um, from point A to point B. So 29 years old. And I said, you know what, I'm going to give this a chance. I've, I've traveled all over, but I haven't really lived anywhere else. So I rented an apartment in Cape town for six months and I said, you know, I'm just going to see what happens, but I'm going to travel around Africa as much as I can. And I'm going to try to, you know, live in a different city in a different part of the world for six months before I turn 30. And when I got to Cape Town, I just, yeah, it was like probably like peak life as well. Like, I think I was just in such a good place. I was single, but I was, you know, it just felt so liberating to do something like that for myself. And just, I'd always dreamed of doing it, but finding that for me, finding the courage to do that. Took me years, even though I could have always literally turned back around and gone home. Yeah, I think there there was like a risk more of a risk to it. But to live um, to actually live there. Yeah. Just, you know, and and again, it's like I was buying a house there, but it was a big commitment, you know. I and I had I wanted to prove it to myself and I really wanted to take the chance. And even if it was hard or I didn't love it, like just try it. But then yeah, like a month into it, I ended up meeting my now husband. So I ended up, you know, there's a lot there's so much that happened in that trip and that time period. And I ended up staying for four years. So I think that's just like, again, one of those weird sort of just trust in the universe things where all of these trips I've taken, all of the travels I had done for back then, that would have been like seven years still six years. But it was because I took that like big chance and that one step that I was so scared to take. And then like my whole life just changed. Oh my gosh. That gives,
0: I have goosebumps right (laughs) now. Serious. Like I love that. I was listening to this other podcast and it was saying like the universe will whisper and the, like the happiest people, the most fulfilled people listen. And then everyone else doesn't listen until the universe screams. Right. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, something is pushing you and it's like, do this, do this, do this. And there's always a reason. Yeah. And you did it. And then you met your husband. Like that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I,
1: I just, yeah, I had, I met so many of my closest friends there and it it just changed like the course of my life forever and my career, everything, you know, it just, it, it allowed me to just also approach travel from a different perspective. Obviously you see a much different way of life all over the world, but when you are living in it and it becomes your home, you care really deeply about what's going on. And just the timing of everything was also really interesting. Like, you know, I, for, from, basically 27 2017 to 2020 so three three yeah. years um you know you couldn't you couldn't be more remote you couldn't be farther from the U.S. so you're really right. watching it from like the lens of a, of a foreigner really like right. I've removed myself so I think you just also see how other cultures operate and you know it's it's hard because now I feel like a big part of me and a big part of my heart is there. So I think that's the harder part is now that we're back in the U S and obviously we all went through like a really difficult few years during the pandemic, you, you sort of feel torn, but it's great because now that, you know, things are getting a little bit more, you know, normalized, it's, it gives me more hope. And I'm like, I'd love to at least go back once a year and kind of fulfill that, part of me that feels like it's missing now yeah uh, you know and to share that with my child and all that like that's really exciting yeah so, so
0: that, that's that's going to be a hard one for anyone else to be their best yeah <laughs> <laughs> unless sure. unless well, okay ladies if you are looking for a husband go to Cape Town <laughs> exactly. um, so what about in terms of like recommendations so of the places you went where would you say would be like a top honeymoon spot
1: Ooh, honeymoons um Okay. So I love this one. If I were to do it all over again and by do it all over again, we never took one because we got engaged in March, 2020. Um, but I think like for me, dream honeymoon is going to Kenya. So you could do safari. Um, if you've never heard of the giraffe manor, it's this like adorable, like kind of bed and breakfast manner where you can meet giraffes. like over breakfast and then you can fly. So you kind of get like the best of both. You have this like amazing bucket list experience. You go on safari and then you can fly to the Seychelles, which is this like tropical Island nation where you have like some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. And you can kind of get this nice blend of adventure and the beach, you know, relaxing honeymoon. I love I love that little combo there and it's so accessible and and it's a big one. Obviously you're knocking off a couple pretty big, you know, bucket list experiences. I think from like a more domestic approach, don't underestimate like, like a sailing experience. So something that I've always loved, I don't know how to sail, but chartering a like catamaran and you can have them skippered. Mm. Um, Some of like my favorite experiences, like even the British Virgin Islands, which is really easy to get to from the U S you can charter like uh, a catamaran and you just hire a skipper and they have, you know, you'd have your own cabin, but I mean, just kind of being on a boat waking up at the sunrise and like just bouncing around, you have this like element of privacy and not being in like a resort, but it's like slower paced, re- like romantic. So I always like try to think of really unique experiences that yeah. I would do with my partner and not necessarily with like a friend or something like that, but yeah. those would be like two of my top ones. And of course, you can never go wrong with French Polynesia, like Bora Bora. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like that's, that's the go-to right?
0: The, if you to
1: above get the water and be there. Yeah. I mean, you get
0: it all. Definitely. Okay. What about top solo destination? Okay.
1: So top solo, I love Japan, even though obviously there's like a bit of a language barrier. I think it's one of those places that is just extremely safe. It's clean. It's, again, you can like fly into Tokyo and it's just this, like the coolest experience. Everyone is so nice. The food's amazing. Um, amazing public transportation system. And then you can take the train to like all these other cities. It's, it's pretty easy to get around. And I think you get that like really fulfilling cultural experience where like you feel like you've traveled and you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm not in Kansas anymore, you know, but people will help you. It's safe. You know, it ticks again, it ticks all those boxes. Yeah. Um, I think for like more nature loving adventurous people, I always recommend Iceland. It's a bit more expensive and seasonal. Um, but again, it's technically the safest country in the world. And, um, not that you would necessarily rent a van in camper van by yourself, but I would, <laughs> but you can basically base yourself in Reykjavik, the capital, and you can take day tours. Um, there's even a camper van company where you can like sign up by yourself and join like a caravan of camper vans. So you can go with oh. other people and then you can do the whole island with people who are like your age who, you know, want to travel Iceland. Oh, cool. So yeah, I think those are
0: all like amazing destinations and experiences to do on your own. Oh my gosh, you're giving me the travel bug. Okay, last <laughs> one. What would you say best for family?
1: Ooh, gosh, you know what? It's interesting because it's not something that I obviously was out seeking before I had a kid, but now you get so much feedback from people like where certain countries are just extremely friendly with children. So yeah. um, we're planning on actually doing Italy this summer, and mm-hmm. I've heard again, haven't done it yet, but I've heard Italians are extremely kind and accommodating accommodating with children. Actually, a lot of places outside of the U S are like extremely like kid obsessed and super friendly. I've heard Portugal, like you just get expedited like through everything if you have kids with you. So I have heard Portugal is an amazing country with kids. A lot of um, Asian countries also are extremely accommodating with kids. And I think in terms of getting around, I'm still in the experimental phase and exploration phase but i think for a lot of i'm, I'm leaning on my community a lot for this kind of feedback on like do you rent a car is that just like the easier way or is it easier to go somewhere that's super walkable so i think you, know, you can't really go wrong with europe because you could kind of do it a bunch of different ways and if you wanted to you know use transportation public transportation and trains travel light rent locally like those are all good things Um, and I keep plugging South Africa, but Cape town is like an incredibly kid-friendly city. It's far, but once you get there, you know, it's, they have all the kind of, I wouldn't say like modern things, but there's like kid rental companies. So like I'm renting a a crib and even like the Stoke trip trap high chair, like I can rent that locally. So all these like premium products are still there. If you, if you use them at home and if you're going to go for an extended period of time and What's cool is there's even like kid-friendly safari. Um, Some, some properties like are kid-friendly and they do like really special things for
0: kids. They have like junior ranger programs. Oh, so uh, fun. One thing that I didn't know is in, in South Africa, people speak English. Oh yeah. There's 13 13 national languages,
1: languages, but yeah, English is the predominant language. So it is a lot easier to get around.
0: Um, Yeah. So I love those. I love those recommendations. I could talk to you all day about this. Um, I just, that's all I want to do. I just want to travel. Like Every time I get a break from work, I'm like, okay, where are we heading next? I'm we going. <laughs> that's I love, yeah, it is. It is. And I've been to some of these places on your list. Japan is definitely, I want to see the um, tri blossoms that is on my yes. bucket list and a safari in Kenya. So maybe I'll there we go. It's time. time. It's time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell everybody where they can find you about your blog, your Instagram? Yeah, so
1: um, my blog is The Blonde Abroad, and that's across all social, Instagram, Pinterest, all of those things. Um, and then I mentioned to you before we started, we're launching a side brand and project called The Baby Abroad. So that will be a sort of like community led family travel blog which I'm really excited about because as I mentioned you know there's only so much I can experience um with my child at different ages so um you know we're going to lean heavily on my community and guest contributions to share your travel experiences so that it can help other people you know travel better and get inspiration to travel with their families.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that so much. I can't wait until that is launched. And um, we are going to do a giveaway together, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So what was your, did you just use the classic sleep socks? Is that kind of what you had? We went through them all <laughs> okay, so the we'll, and everything. So. Yeah. We'll do like a big bundle of okay, really cool. fun run things. And then we'll, we'll do like a big giveaway together when the episode is live. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank today.
1: Thank you for having me. It was really nice to chat and, um, sorry for
0: the travel wanderlust, but, um, it's your sign. It's your sign. (laughs) This is my sign. If you guys are listening, this is your sign. Go book something today and check her out on Instagram and her blog. Thank you so much.